dynamics of Latin America are quite complex. The evolution of these societies over the years has been uneven. The predominant trend has seen authoritarian and non-inclusive political systems, economic systems characterized by small groups of wealthy elites, state capture, and judicial systems developed to support these elites. The net effect is one of the most violent and economically unequal regions in the world. For all these complexities, this region is a rich and undeniable important topic. Great introduction, Bruna. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us today in our eighth episode of I Thought About It. As Bruna just mentioned, we will today discuss a bit about the politics and economy of Latin American countries, with a special emphasis in some of them. It's curious to compare the past and present situation of Latin American states and European ones, as they have been both through such distinct historical paths. Right. For instance, and very importantly, there has never been international wars in the territories of Central and South America. Precisely. However, Latin America has seen a lot of civil wars in the last 200 years, besides those being relatively brief and not particularly destructive, at, at least when compared to the European ones. Mm, yeah, uh, but still, this region of the world has been significantly impacted by European influence and much mm -hmm. of the social and institutional structures are legacies of the exploration and colonization led by the Spanish and the Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Although by the end of the 19th century, all countries were independent already. I agree. And an interesting, interesting fact, indeed, is that some of its countries have stagnated and even compressed their growth. At the end of the 19th century, for instance, Argentina and Uruguay were leading economies in Latin America. And actually, for two years, Argentina was even the wealthiest country in the world per capita. But after that, Argentina became the only country as well to transit from a developed country to underdevelopment. Really interesting, right? Yeah. Um, that's actually known as the Argentina paradox. Exactly. And yeah. it's also interesting to look at the development of path of Latin America throughout the 20th century, especially if we compare it with the East Asian region uh, that are today developed countries. The difference between the two regions shows that the macroeconomic context alone is not enough to give the development leap that we've been talking about. Unlike in East Asia, Latin American countries paid less proactive attention to innovation in technology policies, and especially during the state-led industrialization phase. Yes, and we actually mentioned those differences in development strategies in one of our previous episodes, right? Yeah, the one about development economics, I believe. Yes, exactly. Um, so as you were saying, by the start of the 20th century, in fact, the Latin American countries had adopted for a different model, a model of export-led growth. And mm -hmm. however, what so, it so happens that in 1914, Europe entered the first world conflict and European countries started demanding fewer exports and, and this had terrible consequences for Latin American exports. Then, just a few years after, in 1929, there came the Great Depression, global exports crashed even further, so... 
Yeah, I read somewhere that recession was particularly harsh for the economies of Peru and Bolivia. Those mm -hmm. were the hardest eat ones in the entire world. Yeah, I didn't know that, but yeah, I, I believe so. And however, that made them, I would say, that's part of the reasons why they changed their growth strategy, though. When Latin American countries realized that they were too dependent on exports, they started replacing this system by a more protectionist one, placing high tariffs on foreign products, for instance, uh, providing subsidies at home, and nationalizing industries. And this was also the time, importantly, that Venezuela nationalized its oil in 1943. But today, some of those countries are quite recovered from the traumatic crisis in the previous century, mm -hmm. um, right? Yeah. However, the political and security instability in this region uh, is still hindering further development. Mm -hmm. uh, Venezuela, for instance, you were just mentioning, is living in political and economic turmoil that strongly, strongly affects its citizens' well-being. Yes, and Venezuela is a case that really deserves our attention. As of 2017, there were already, I bet that now there's more, but by then there were already 5 million people estimated that have escaped from their country to seek refuge in other countries nearby, such as Colombia. And so very, dis yeah, and very relevant to the discussion here is oil. Who is the oil reserve leader around the world? It's not Russia, it's not Iran, it's not Canada, and it's not even Saudi Arabia, it's Venezuela. How is then a country with that much oil going through such a deep crisis today? And, and there are two things we should really look at when talking about Venezuela, which is oil prices and inflation. In 1960, Venezuela joined OPEC, the organization of the petroleum exporting countries, as a founding member. Oil and inflation looks like a deja vu of the podcast about the Middle East. Yeah, but uh, what happens when your country is almost totally dependent on the exports of a sole natural resource, as it's the case of Venezuela or was with oil? you become dependent on swings in world prices of that commodity. So when oil prices skyrocketed, like it happened in the 70s, Venezuela's economy was doing good. The government had revenue. But when the world price of oil goes down due to external shocks, like it was the global financial crisis in 2008, when the demand of oil decreases sharply, the economy takes a really huge hit. And of course, oil prices affect inflation as well, as you are saying. Exactly. World average inflation rate for the past decade has been around the two something or three something percent, mm -hmm. which can be considered reasonable. But looking at Venezuela's inflation, uh, well, it's actually hyperinflation, an yeah. unbelievably huge level, like unthinkable. One of the highest rates in the world. And at the end of the 20th century, as we know, the IMF had come with a rescue package, the Washington Consensus, which I also think we have discussed here on the podcast before as well. And this sort of package was conceived to help Latin American economies. It aimed at convincing highly indebted governments to adopt a pack of measures to ensure fiscal discipline, privatize, liberalize trade, among other measures. So basically a lot of austerity. But this brought limited or at least less expected effectiveness. 
Mm, right. And also, the austerity measures put forward by the IMF to control the debt in Latin American nations generated massive social discontent yeah. because in these countries, the vast majority of the population lives with limited resources already. Mm-hmm. So the reduced access to electric power, potable water, mm-hmm. it, it has also fueled anti-government demonstrations and political crises, which are then introduced in more instability. It's so sad to observe still today such difficulties being lived through by some of Latin American nations. And I mean, this region has some of the most beautiful landscapes and culture, and it's for sure part of my bucket list of destinations to to visit. Definitely mine too. Uh, It is also a region that is rich in both resources, but also in traditions. And it has great potential that it's actually left partly untapped by the reoccurring issues like some of those Mm -hmm. that we mentioned today. Yeah. So um, overall, it was really great to talk a little bit about this part of the world today that we are often uh, not talking about, at least between us two. Uh, Let's see where the next episode takes us. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us in this episode of I Thought About It and see you next week. See ya.